Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Hello, everyone. It is Ryan here, host of the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. Now, this is a podcast where I get to have conversations with some amazing people from all over the world who have stories to share, experiences we can learn from, and knowledge in areas that we can use and apply to our lives to make us better and happier people. Now, each episode has a different topic, but all geared towards helping us along our own pursuit of happiness and helping us understand this journey we call life just a little better. We'll touch on everything from mental health to nutrition, diet, fitness, travel, adventure, relationships, and believe me, much, much more. All along this journey, I'll experiment and apply some of the advice and information from my conversations to see how it affects me along my own pursuit of happiness, and then report back to you. Now, don't forget, if you enjoy this episode or any other episode, please take a moment, subscribe, leave me a rating and a review. It is truly, truly appreciated while also helping get these great conversations to even more listeners. And it's about time I had a fellow artist on the show. So with that said, welcome Jacqueline Sanders. Not only is Jacqueline an artist, but she's also a businesswoman and an entrepreneur located in the Raleigh, North Carolina area. Now, either before this show begins or right after it ends, I highly recommend going to JacquelineSanders.com to go check out her artwork. I do ask her a few questions throughout the episode about her artwork because it is so geometry-based. It is honestly beautiful, and you can definitely tell she has a background in architecture. So speaking of background, the thing I love talking to creative people about is their background. How did they become creative? Were they born this way? What influenced them? And what continues to give them inspiration? Now, one of my favorite parts about this conversation with Jacqueline is that I am a graphic designer, which is obviously an artist, but so much different than what Jacqueline does. So it was really cool to speak the same language as her, but yet have such different outcomes with what we do. And I realize when people hear the term artist, they also probably think starving artist, as in they don't make a lot of money. So it was great to talk to Jacqueline about how she's turned her passion into a business, and not just a business, but a stable one. It was great hearing the process of opening up her own gallery and how she uses social media and her website to bring in profits. This is really such good information for not just artists, but anybody who's looking to start a business or turn their passion or hobby into something that actually makes money. So Jacqueline, thank you for joining the show. You are clearly pursuing your own happiness and you're going to help many others do the same. So here we go. All right, Jackie Sanders, thank you so much for joining my podcast. I am super pumped and excited to have a fellow artist on the podcast. I was just talking to you when my microphone was off, but now I was recording. That, <laughs> it, happens, um, it does happen, doesn't it? <laughs> that uh, I have a running list of topics and things I really want to cover from my podcast. And talking to an artist, a fellow artist, 
uh, is something that I really, really want to do. However, I, I do call myself an artist, but we are very different. Um, I'm more so graphic design, branding, kind of marketing, if you will, but the, you, you do a little bit of marketing with your business, but you are, in my opinion, a true artist. I really am excited <laughs> to you. talk to you, to uh, get into your mind a little bit, to see how your see how your brain works. Uh, I'm really <laughs> excited. You have some awesome art pieces behind you right now, which is so cool, but uh, <laughs> we'll get into that momentarily. But first and foremost, how are you doing today? I'm doing so good. Thank you so much for having me on the podcast. I am an avid listener. So when I heard you talk about submitting for future topics, I'm like, you know what, let's just go ahead and do it. Um, and especially being a fellow creative and also loving workout routines and all the things that you talk about in your podcast, it seemed like we could have some fun and have some good conversation because I actually started in my creative journey thinking I would be graphic design. So quickly learned that is not where my forte lies. So I have so much admiration for what you do as well. I think fellow Thank creatives you. can really see the strengths in each other and rise up together. No, thank you. And um, yeah, I, I'm curious to, to get your feedback and why you left the graphic design field. But uh, I like to tell people, you know, like as an artist, perhaps you feel the same way. Yeah, I'm an artist, but I definitely have my strengths. and I definitely have my weaknesses. And yeah. one of them, like I tell people like when, in my current job, it's like, I'm a really good graphic designer. I will do awesome with branding. I'll do awesome with marketing. My weakness, I would probably say is like illustrations on the computer. That's just not okay. one of my benefits. But I, I also get a feel from my experience that people who are awesome illustrators are not necessarily the greatest business people. And right. so, you know, so there are strengths and weaknesses when it comes to design. And uh, I definitely don't have yours. You do a lot of really cool artwork with paints. And so I, I have a, I have a lot of questions on that. All right, let's go in. Well, first I'm curious to know, why did you dabble in graphic design and decide that it wasn't for you? Well, it was, I wouldn't even say I was necessarily in the field. I think especially growing up, I mean, not going all the way to childhood, but thinking to, okay, going to college, what do you want to major in when you are creative? The quote unquote logical business oriented thing is graphic design. You can be creative and it's something you can make money with. Right. Um, and so after two or three classes, I just realized I am not, not cut out for this. I did not enjoy it. Every graphic design project that we got, I absolutely hated, but every like conceptual fine art project that we got, I would like dive into for hours and hours. So I learned very early on that just go where your strengths are, go where your energy lies. Um, and it's kind of funny now because like you alluded to earlier, my day job is in marketing. So doing mm. social media marketing. So it kind of comes full circle, definitely not graphic design, but marketing and advertising in a sense. <laughs> As an artist, I imagine that's huge. Cause I, yeah. I imagine like a lot of artists probably just, you know, have really good artwork, but don't know how to get it out there. Don't know how to capitalize on that. So having that background on top of being creative, that's a double whammy right there. That's, <laughs> that's a really good route to take. And uh, Thank you. yeah, for anybody listening to this, who is an artist or interested in being an artist, like I, I'll just give my backstory real quick too. It's yeah. something I haven't done yet in this podcast was um so I remember having um Photoshop and uh, Illustrator CS4. Back and when so it was on like a DVD. It was on a disc. 
it was on a disc. You had to install it with the serial number and like yeah. I, I, I had friends that we all pirated and all that stuff. I shouldn't admit that, but the dark web. Yeah, no kidding. Back in the day, download it. What's the serial number? Um, right. But yeah, so back this is like sixth, seventh grade or so, and it was just dabbling in designs and all that stuff just for fun. And yeah. I was dangerous enough with HTML where I was like, oh, let me design a cool web page for like to put up my MP3s and stuff. Yeah. And it was just so <laughs> dumb, but it was actually really good experience. And I I did it just for fun and for a hobby. I didn't realize there was yeah. a living in it. And so mm-hmm. when I went to school first, I actually spent my first year in sports med, which is completely the opposite side of the spectrum. <laughs> And I love science, but man, I freaking hated chemistry. I despise yeah. chemistry. I had the vision of I would be on the NFL sidelines on Sundays working with the pro athletes. And <laughs> yeah, and then like I heard, I was like, well, you got to start at like high school and then maybe you'll get to college. And then after that was just like, okay, yeah. this isn't for me. There's hardly any money in it. And then I'm a family guy. I mean, if I'm always on the road traveling, that just went. Oh, happen. for sure. Yeah. So. That's definitely a lifestyle choice that I think sounds super glamorous when you're 17, 18, and then right. the older you get, you're like, mm, is that exactly what I want? You kind of realize other qualities of life that yeah. are a lot more important. <laughs> exactly. And then it was one of those things where I just kind of had a look at myself in the mirror and uh, one of my good buddies, Travis, um, he's also a graphic designer and he went to school for design. And so it's one of those things where it's like, well, I already do this for fun. You know, I already know the programs that, you know, I was like, I didn't really realize there was a career path in this. And so I switched and uh, yeah, I sucked for a while. I sucked. <laughs> I'll admit it. My performance. Everyone was, starts by sucking. Yeah. Well, yeah, I, I was one of them. I definitely sucked. <laughs> my, my portfolio sucked, but uh, I learned and I got inspiration from a lot of really good people. Everything I see now is an inspiration, probably the same way. So you can't stop oh, taking sure. inspiration, a gift and a curse. But uh, <laughs> yeah, and I haven't looked back since. And it's been really, really, really good career choice. And uh, I followed my passion, followed uh, something I was already interested in. So um, there's my little tip of advice and nugget for the day is follow yeah. your heart and follow what you're good in. And you definitely did that. And being an artist, you know, a lot of people kind of say like you're born with it. Do you find that to be the case with yourself? Um, yes and no. I think there is an element of, I mean, everyone as kids has moments where, oh, I would love to just like draw all day. I would love to dance all day, play sports. But of course, then in hindsight, you just remember those moments that then develop into your career. Right. So Mm -hmm. I think there were definitely elements that I was naturally drawn towards, but I was also very fortunate in that my parents were, as I describe and still are like, annoyingly supportive of everything that I do. Like, even if I have a little interest in something, they want to push it to a hundred. So I think that's that's where I get like my big aspirational goals from. Um, And they own their own business. So it kind of influences my artwork today too, where they own an architecture firm. So my dad went to school for architecture. He's a licensed architect. My mom actually used to work in sales So she is the brains and marketing behind the whole operation. So really having them balanced out my entire entire childhood, watching them, seeing their dynamic and seeing a small business fluctuate from three people up to 30 people back down to 15, like the constant ebbs and flows 
and stresses as a business owner, I think were invaluable lessons that were really shown to me at an early age. So it's funny, my original vision before graphic design was even architecture. Mm. Um, So I was like, oh, I'm creative, take over the family business. It's a natural path. And I always joke with my dad because he begged me for like two years, do not go into architecture, do not do it. Like you'll be miserable, mainly because at the time it was right at the recession. Mm. And so being a business owner, lack of stability, I now as an older adult, I can imagine like so many people in the past couple of years as well. Um, being a business owner, a lot of that rests on your shoulders. So he convinced me into the very wise, stable decision of be a fine art major, because that has more stability, of course. (laughs) Um, So again, I think the fact that my parents never questioned if it was a good path or not, they never pressured me to take business courses. They never pressured me to do something in addition to an art major. It gave me that confidence, but I think they also just knew work ethic wise. I was a very all or nothing person. I think growing up as an athlete, um, I played year round sports, went to national championships. Like you learn that discipline, you learn those put in the reps, even as you're resting, watching film and all those things really translate into any industry. Um, And so being able to apply that discipline and work ethic to a creative practice, I think today is what has really got me to where I am. Like it started as an interest in a small piece of talent, but I attribute a lot more of it to the work ethic of it and just being unapologetically like going for it. And that's awesome. Enjoying the process too. Great, great mindset. I think a lot of us can learn from that and uh, take inspiration from that. (laughs) And also like, I applaud your parents too, as well. Like someday I hope to have children and I really hope to be the same as your parents are um, encouraging and uh, wanting you to try new things and being very supportive. I think that's wonderful. So I guess my question to you is like, there's probably a lot of artists out there that perhaps don't have a situation like that and don't have the support. And they're probably a little nervous hearing like, well, artists don't make anything or artists, you know, they're digging (laughs) for scraps or whatever it is. What would you say to those people for a word of advice to kind of push them in that direction? I would say that, well, one, the loved ones in your life that may reinforce that message that you don't want to be a starving artist. They're saying that because they love you. And because they think that that's the truth, frankly, Mm -hmm. they think that they're protecting you by trying to veer you away in what they perceive as a more stable path. But I would combat that by saying that is definitely not the case. I feel like in today's modern world with technology and the community that you can build around you, even if you're not physically with others, you can really build a community and knowledge base that is unprecedented. Like you don't even have to go to school for art to build a very successful art business. There are so many tools available to you. Um, And frankly, it's been so rewarding. I have a studio in downtown Raleigh um, where it's a huge building that has over three different galleries and over 30 different artist studios. And everyone in there are 
professional working artists, some part-time, some have been full-time artists for 30 years, making full, very well-off livings, selling their paintings. So it's so nice seeing those success stories and hearing the lessons and um, business owner mindset that artists have. Because when it comes down to it, yes, if you just wait in your house and only paint all day and quote unquote, wait to be discovered, it's not going to happen. Like that's not how it works this day and age. But if you are able to network with other artists and really treat your art like a business, it can be a very stable, profitable business if that's what you want it to be. I would love some tips on that, honestly. And, uh, you know, you just said you had like a studio gallery. Is that something that you would highly recommend or what would be another option if that wasn't really an option for somebody? Yeah, I think um, that had been a goal of mine since I moved to Raleigh. Um, This space in particular, I'd always gone there for First Friday events, which if your listeners anywhere really in the U.S., if not the world, the first Friday of every month, most cities have a first Friday event. So museums and galleries are open. There's a lot of time, a lot of art markets. And so it's kind of been honored as this like way to celebrate the local arts community. Um, So I used to go to art space where my studio is now all the time and talk to the artists and get tips and, hey, who do I have to ask to like apply here and getting feedback on my application? Um, And now they're my neighbors and friends. But definitely, I don't think it's a requirement for you as an artist. I think that is a very big decision, um, especially because most places, if it's outside of your current home, you are paying rent for it. So that does have to be a business consideration, a lifestyle consideration. Um, If you have a day job, how would you balance that? Um, But I would also say that you can full on have an art business outside of your house, outside of your apartment. I did that for two years and basically took over the second bedroom apartment or second bedroom of my apartment and turned it into a full on art studio. I was like, I'm putting mats on the floor. I'm putting way too many holes in the walls and you are in my studio um, streaming videos and being on Instagram um, and really just if I don't have an actual space for people to visit making one with the resources that I have so I think really being resourceful with doing as much as you can with as little money as possible almost as a challenge in the beginning can be super super rewarding because we are creatives after all, right? Right. Like don't use lack of money or even lack of resources as maybe something to get you down or uh, a negative mindset, but embrace that as a challenge. Like how amazing would it be if I still could build a business only spending $4 every day Mm -hmm. or $10 a week? Like what is possible? And seeing how that seeing how that can build into something pretty awesome. Now, how did you make an income when you had that second room as kind of like your studio? Yeah. So I, um, at the time I did have a day job. Um, and I honestly, as I mentioned earlier, I still do now. Um, and I think that is one thing that in the beginning of my professional creative journey, I was kind of self-conscious about because I'm like, Oh, I'm not 
a real artist if I have a day job. Mm. But frankly, I found that having a day job has been super liberating for my creative practice because while yes, it is a self-sustaining profitable business, it's not, there's no pressure on this painting has to sell in order to make my rent. So I feel like creatively I can really be more expressive. And in those first few years of building a business, just like any startup, like it takes time to be profitable. It takes time to scale streams of income, um, which most artists don't even talk about either. Um, so I was working at a laser engraving studio, which is kind of how I got into the work that I'm making today. I was using industrial size machinery, CO2 lasers, UV printers, sand carvers, crystal etching, um, and really just being super immersed in the hands-on creative process. Um, and then thinking, okay, how can I use this technology that I'm working with 10 hours a day into my paintings or into my creative process. Um, so even though I don't work there anymore, I've been working at a marketing agency that I love for the past year. I'm still able to partner with them. They're a small business um, located here in Raleigh as well. Um, and it's been a super, super awesome partnership. But I feel like I've only been able to bring it into my creative practice because I'm aware of the technology. I know how the machines need to be set up, how the art files need to be. And I had those long days of experimenting, which were really, really cool. That's awesome. And so like, how would you sell a painting here and there while you had that day job? Yeah. So I mainly used a lot of social media. Um, So on Instagram and then building my website. Um, And one thing I did start very early on was one launching a website within the first like two months of me really treating it like a business and starting a newsletter that those are probably my two non-negotiables for any artist out there. That's great. If you're looking to sell your work, because just take any other company like Nike shoes, they have a website. You're not going to just like DM them your credit card number and hope for the best. Like you need those elements to be like a trustworthy business. Um, and I think the newsletter has been super helpful with just building those long-term relationships with current and future collectors of my work. Um, it started off as a monthly newsletter that had five people on it. It was like my brother, my boyfriend at the time, my mom, and then two email addresses that were both mine. But I'm like, no, now I have five, even though it was just another one of mine. Um, but really just starting it and again, putting those reps in. So now as you grow, you learn these systems. Um, and you're able to do it very easily after just months and months of repetition. <laughs> this is awesome. I want to get into your specific um, art and creativity yeah. momentarily, but I'm loving <laughs> the path we're going down because it's showing like how you became like a businesswoman on top of being creative. I love this. And, uh, and yes, the website, being a designer myself, we are both involved in very visual um you know, right. And so for people to be able to see that, whereas it's funny how people go to your site to see an end product, people come to my site to see my past products to hire me for a future one. (laughs) Yeah. That's interesting. Right. And so, yeah, portfolio is also a way you can kind of show your skill set and your expertise. Um, Mm -hmm. definitely recommend get a domain name, 
Um, I personally would recommend getting a brand and a logo for yourself. Yes. That's definitely just what I do. Well. <laughs> you, can, you can check me out and contact me personally. I'm not <laughs> just a podcast host. I can design you a cool logo. Yes. And, branding um, is very important. Yeah. And so definitely highly recommend a website. And um, I want to get to pricing your artwork momentarily. But yeah. uh, the first thing that comes to my mind is Etsy. What are your thoughts on Etsy? Have you tried Etsy? Do you want to try Etsy? <laughs> Yeah. So I personally have not tried Etsy. Um, I've done a lot of research into it, but I have found very early on, especially um, when I was launching my online shop, I knew I wanted to have it on my own website simply because then I knew I had more control over it. Um, and even before doing research in it for me, and again, this is my personal opinion. There are several very successful artists that I am friends with that are on Etsy that love it, but I found it very strange to have pieces online where then your direct competition is to the left and right of you and su other suggested products below you where they're like advertising your quote unquote competitions products that are similar style right on the same page. Um, I do love the community that Etsy brings and honestly, as a local artist and local creator, I think that as everyone sells and gets awareness of the work, we all rise together, which is one of my go-to mottos of like community over competition. Like another artist winning is not like, it's not like in sports where like there's a winner and a loser and like you lost today. It's really the rising tides lift all ships mindset. Um, so, and another aspect of it, frankly, was partial laziness because I think that their policies are constantly changing. And I'm like, that seems like a lot of constant work that I have to do as a business owner to like keep pivoting or adjust my shipping costs because their shipping costs and now they require this minimum. And I'm like, I made a business so I can make my own rules. I don't want to have to follow anyone else's. Yeah. Speaking uh, of shipping, how many would you, how many pieces would you say you sh um, ship compared to people coming in and buying it? Um, I kind of have from an income stream standpoint, I have a couple of different things. Um, so there's digital downloads, which obviously you don't have to ship. Um, and then my original art products, which are um, color catchers, which hang in your window, basically any type of product that's a hundred dollars or less, those are mainly shipping. Um, and the most visited uh, product on my website. But when it comes to original art, um, so one-of-a-kind paintings, those are dominantly in person. So either in my studio or in um, a group exhibition, a solo gallery space, um, and a handful of corporate offices have been a great place to really display my art artwork as well. What corporate so offices? Yeah. <laughs> Which ones? What corporate offices? I'm curious. Um, and have you heard of industrious downtown? It's like a yeah. co-work space. Yeah. Yeah. So I've had two solo exhibitions, one in each of their locations and a couple, two others that I'm talking to right now. I don't want to jinx. So knock on wood, All right, <laughs> um, on. which, yeah, I think really, especially now with so many people working from home, the idea of like either a specific company or especially co-work spaces, having those ties to local artists, it's kind of becoming a non-negotiable. Like you need to make a reason for people to want to come into an office because I think myself included, so many people have just 
thrived working from home and the flexibility that it brings. Um, so it's cool that a lot of these spaces are starting to at least bring the local community into their conversations and have artist talks and receptions and um, artwork that they can then buy and bring to their home offices. So what about like uh, restaurants or coffee shops? Sometimes I remember like going in, like sitting down at a table, there's like a painting right next to me with like a price tag or something like that. Have you looked into that? Yeah, definitely. That was actually my first display when I was in Raleigh was at Lucky Tree Coffee Shop. Um, it's over by Meredith College. So I had like six pieces on the, in the wall there, which was super, super exciting at the time. So I'm like, I just made these in my second bedroom apartment. I don't even know if anyone cares, but I was so excited, put it on my blog. And that's really where I got the start. And it was cool then kind of playing undercover, as I call it. Like I'd go to the coffee shop, and like see how people would react to the artwork, them not knowing that I'm the artist. I think it's a super cool way to get that authentic reaction of like, what are their comments about it? Good or bad being prepared for the worst and really getting that like empirical data, like on hand, like, okay, I should probably change this or I need to do more of that is a really cool experience. That's really cool. And so for somebody who's looking to do that, did you contact them or did they find you somehow? Yeah, I contacted them. Um, So I had gone there several times and I actually knew a woman that had worked there. Um, And so I would definitely say for instances like that, when it comes to coffee shops or restaurants, definitely approach them. The worst they can say is no. Um, And if my mindset has always been, if someone's going to think negatively of me for being too persistent and eager to wanting to enhance their space, then I'm okay with that. (laughs) I would caveat that with saying it does not work the same way with gallery spaces. As much as you may want to walk in there with a portfolio under your arms, that normally does not fly very well. So that's kind of a different mindset. But coffee shops and restaurants are normally pretty good, especially if you have your website, because then you can either pull it up in your iPad or just give them a business card um, and bring that professional aspect to the relationship right from the beginning. That's a great advice. I'm also thinking perhaps you can even do like a little QR code or something under the painting and people can just go right to your website or something too. Yeah, exactly. And especially having, um, that was a big goal of mine when I first started in Raleigh was just like, okay, like one piece on the wall somewhere was my goal for the year. Hmm. And then by like February it happened. So I was like, uh, okay, I need to make bigger goals. (laughs) I got to ask, I'm curious, how long, how long were they on the wall before they sold? Um, probably about six weeks, half of them sold. Um, and then having my studio in downtown Raleigh, I was like, uh, I need to bring these pieces back to the studio because whenever you do have them on display somewhere, typically they sell, they take a percentage for the processing fees and for renting the wall space, essentially if they market it. Um, so I was like, I could sell it in my studio and keep all the profit rather than having to split it. So there's that business person in you. You yeah. know it. You know it. And okay, so I want to talk about your artwork. You have some pieces behind you. I will make I sure. To share I this. I'll make sure to share this. This is a podcast, but I'll make sure to share this part of the video so we can all see them. <laughs> and uh, real quick, let's uh, plug your website right now. So if anybody's like listening on the computer, they can type this in as you talk. So what is your website? Yeah, my website is JacquelineSanders.com. And then I'm also on Instagram and all the social media platforms as Jay Sanders Studio. 
Okay. And now somebody if like myself would see your artwork and I would say geometry plays a huge role in mm-hmm. a lot of your artwork, if not almost all of it. You can definitely tell there is some architecture influence in there, right? Yes. <laughs> and, uh, what would you call your artwork? Is there like a specific name or type for it? Um, I describe it as abstract geometric. Um, and yes, there's definitely architecture influences, a lot of architects and engineers and computer science, surprisingly minded people are really drawn towards my work. Um, but I love creating multiple dynamics and really I've never done much representational when it comes to my own work. So with school assignments, having to do portraits or very specific landscapes, I've done it. Um, but I really love the abstract geometric style because you can bring so much symbolism to the piece. And I find personally that it's very approachable to most people. Um, you can kind of bring your own experience into the work and project your own meaning onto it because there's no right or wrong way to interpret it. So this is where I want to tap into your mind just a little <laughs> bit. I'm really curious. The thing, the All cool right. thing is too, is that I actually am genuinely more attracted to your style of artwork than a lot of others, because I do work with yeah. as a designer, perfect shapes, perfect mm-hmm. lines, things got to be lined up. Like I, I'm the type of person, if I walk into somebody's house and their picture's crooked, I will notice and I will straighten it because yep. I need straight lines. I need clean <laughs> lines. It, it, I'm sorry. It's a gift and a curse, but Man, uh, you need to come down to my studio. You'll love it. I have pegboards. <laughs> I got everything lined up. I'll just feel, I'll be like, oh, brilliant. I'm at, I'm at home. I feel, I feel welcome <laughs> it drives, here. It drives some people crazy. They're like, I don't know how you work in this space. Cause artists kind of have that reputation of being kind of all over the place and messy. But the fact that I have like two piles of panels that I have to put back on my storage rack rack in my studio right now is like really driving me crazy. So <laughs> I think our minds are very similar. <laughs> yeah, I bet. And so like, yeah, you'll see me like fidget sometimes. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm just lining stuff up perfectly to yep. be together my, as I'm just talking to somebody or whatever. But uh, yeah, so I am attracted to your artwork. And um, so as a, as a fellow artist, mm-hmm. I am really curious. We'll, we'll start in the back in the beginning. How did you get into this style, into this medium, into using the paints that you chose like, how did that attract you? Yeah. So I think it really started, I've worked with geometric shapes for as long as I can remember, especially with my parents owning an architecture studio. Um, I always joke that rather than just having coloring books, I grew up sketching with like a straight edge and a ruler on the drafting table in my dad's office. So using a T-square literally by the age I was five. Um, which is not very normal. Um, So I've always been really attracted to abstract shapes and their relationship to each other, experiencing and witnessing how they were used to draw out a building by hand, but then also, okay, what is the meaning behind them? What does a circle evoke rather than a square, a corner? Um, And really loving the symbolism that you can get with abstract shapes. Um, so I started with a lot of colored pencil, like Prismacolor when I was in high school, then similar to you understanding, oh, I can use Adobe Illustrator and not have to spend 30 minutes drawing in this blue circle. I can just get the paint tool and fill it in. And wow, it's perfectly uniform. (laughs) So that was pretty life-changing. So Um, I'm I'm at your website right now. 
And we'll talk, we'll talk about some of the stuff, but keep going. I'm browsing oh, awesome. some of these. Yep, keep going. Um, yeah. So definitely using technology in my process was pretty pivotal, especially then going into ment- um, being mentored by one of my professors using a CO2 laser. So turning by hand drawings into etched materials on the laser. Um, I always loved, which I think goes into my more fine art background, which is why I, that's been my strength of finding the symbolism in that. And the idea of something that is imperfectly drawn, then being executed with the precision of a CO2 laser that can get down to a 64th of an inch perfection, um, I thought was really, really cool. Um, so I've always loved bold color as well. And so as I started doing layering aspects within my work, both on the same surface, but then becoming more sculptural, it was really cool being able to layer all these various components of bold line with super stripped down, um, minimalist designs, um, doing shadows, lights, and just keeping all these concepts together in one piece has been really fun to explore. So where do you get your like canvases? It looks like you also do a lot with glass as well. Where do you get this stuff to get started? Yeah. So the glass that you're referring to is actually plexiglass acrylic. So it's super lightweight and durable. Um, and that I get through my local connection, um, the laser engraving studio that I get my pieces from. Um, and so I really discovered that by working at the laser engraving studio. So it comes in huge sheets, like two foot by two foot. And with a CO2 laser, you can actually cut it into any custom design. So a perfect circle, a perfect square, any organic shape. Um, And then the panels themselves that I use, I've built some, a lot of them I get through um, fine art stores. So either um, Jerry's Artorama here in Raleigh is a very popular one. Michael's has some good ones, but they're kind of more craft oriented. Okay. Um, but yeah, there's a bunch of online suppliers that are very helpful. I'm going to show you this one right here. We'll post a picture <laughs> in the show notes. This is awesome. Like it's Thank called what, a design card. It looks like a business card that's somewhat opaque with almost like a stained glass type of geometry on top of it. Like this is cool. I don't know if people ever use this stuff for like a business card, but that would be sick. And that would also be memorable. Yeah, definitely. I've loved those. And that's actually where I got the idea at my old company. We had, um, white and silver ones that we used to, um, print business cards on. But then my fine art brain was thinking, what happens if the card itself, it's basically the consistency of, um, or like the thickness of a credit card, if people can imagine that. So you can still bend it. It's super durable. Um, and having it transparent, but then printing ink on top of it that lets light shine through. So those are probably one of my favorite products simply because I'm a huge reader. Um, in addition to podcasts, also reading a bunch of personal development books and other books. And they're really cool because especially if you're reading outside as the light casts down through it, it actually projects colorful shadows onto the page below it. So it kind of becomes a mini art installation as you use it, um, which could be really, really fun. So really just playing with that idea of space and what aspect of your life can you integrate art into it with light, shadow, and some really cool geometric designs. 
So I just had this thought pop into my head. This is almost <laughs> going to be like a challenge to you. Oh man, I'm ready. I want you to be in an airport. I want your artwork Ooh. to be in an airport. I think this is this is stuff that you can definitely see hanging on a wall or in the middle so that the light comes through it and it's on like the floors and the walls. Yes. I can definitely see this. I remember um, going to Salt Lake City recently and seeing like, beautiful architecture and artwork in Salt Lake City. That, that comes to mind. But so many airports have really, really cool art and architecture, as you yeah. probably know. Get into a freaking airport. <laughs> this is awesome. Challenge accepted. Yeah, I'm actually, that's definitely on my, in the next year, as I'm doing the end of the year business goals, I really want to develop some type of like film that can be put onto Windows both for households, but also, yeah, offices that have those huge windows, airports as well, I think would be super, super awesome. Yeah. So I, I, challenge I, accepted. You heard it here first. Yeah. Hell yeah. <laughs> and I, I'm looking at this other one. Is this t- topography? Is that what you would call that topography? It's inspired by topography. Yeah. Which I like. I'm a huge <laughs> fan of that. I like using maps and stuff in some of my artwork. And yeah. Uh, I've used topography and uh, some as like a, some of background design and texture. Um, yeah, a lot of your artwork would work well with my design <laughs> as like a as like a background on top. Ooh, of like, maybe yeah. a future collaboration. I, I yeah, you know what? I would actually be down for that. <laughs> I would one thousand percent be down for that if we can figure out a project. To yeah, make that happen and put that up in the studio. Oh, that'd be sweet. <laughs> that'd be awesome. That would be awesome. All right, so. We have the canvas, we have the glass or plexiglass. Mm-hmm. What's next? Where are you getting your paint and brushes from? Yeah, I, again, mainly I get it from a local store, Jerry's Artorama. They have like 17 locations. Um, and honestly, a lot of suggestions from other artists locally as well. Um, there's one supplier called Nova Paint, which I am a huge fan of. It's like, this one shop in California that I've heard of just from like two other artists and they, their website seriously looks like it's straight out of the nineties, but you go on, you do like a bulk order of this paint. Obviously you have to pay for shipping, but it's super, super good quality and pretty reasonably priced. So Nova paint is kind of my hidden gem for any artists, uh, listening on here. Definitely make sure you know what colors you want, get the larger tubes to make the shipping worth it, but mm. it's awesome. <laughs> Nova paint. So that's for those listening, that's the name of my puppy. So Nova. Yes, that's, a, that's perfect. <laughs> that's, a, that's a great name. Love it. Recommend it already. Okay. So this is where I really want to dig in is where in the world do you get your inspiration from? Oh man. I feel like definitely if anyone has ever watched my Instagram stories, they know that I'm a very early riser. So I definitely get it in the early mornings, um, in the morning before the sun rises, when it feels like the rest of the world is asleep is when I can really get my best thinking done. And a lot of my work, uh, manifests and is created through journaling and working out ideas. Um, when, I have that space to be vulnerable, which I feel like is very important for creatives. I don't know about you, but I'm very influenced by the spaces I'm in when it comes to my creative energy, probably also similar in terms of like routine and having that structure is what I need in order to 
set myself up for a creative session. I'm not necessarily someone that can on a whim, just like, Oh, just like sketch for 20 minutes randomly. I'm trying to be better about that, but I love structure and having that time that I can really just let loose of time. Um, so in the early mornings. Yeah. I, I'm interested in comparing and interesting how we do things. So <laughs> yeah. are you a night owl creator? I, yeah, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Actually it's very true. Um, definitely not a morning person, but, uh, I will say a lot of my good ideas will come to me at like five or 6 AM when I'm not quite waking up. I woke up, maybe a turnover mm-hmm. and then my mind starts going. Yeah. Cause you're probably right. It's a little more free at that time. It drives yep. me insane. I can't stand it. Um, <laughs> it happened this morning. I'm not going to lie. It actually happened this morning. Um, uh, like, I just want to go back to sleep. <laughs> yeah. And like, sometimes I just can't, so I can just get up. Um, yeah. And I think a lot of that for me, I was definitely not always that way, but in the, really the last three to four years, I think out of necessity trading myself to be that way, mm-hmm. um, with having a day job, I kind of got to that point of, I was in a huge creative rut and I knew I wanted to prioritize my artwork more. This was before my newsletter, before launching my website and really taking my art seriously as a business. I was like, okay, well, why is my, why am I not making any artwork? It's been like two years since I graduated. What, like, what am I doing? Kind of having a quarter life crisis essentially. (laughs) Um, and really just thinking, okay, well, all my energy is going into my day job. I need to like regain control. And so if by the end of the day, I am too exhausted, I need to prioritize it in the morning or else clearly it's not happening. So starting to wake up at six o'clock and then five 30 and then five, now sometimes even like 3.30 or 4, which not every day, it's not every day, but definitely having that time to where I can prioritize myself and my thoughts and my creative practice first. And then the rest of the day can kind of get my leftover energy. Obviously with an asterisk, still performing well at my day job and making sure I'm not dropping the ball on other responsibilities, but wanting that to come first and foremost, as even if nothing else gets done that day, I know that was my top priority and I got it done first. Now, something that I run into because I am a thinker, um, I'm not just creative. I'm also a thinker. So I can get into my own way. Sometimes it's a paralysis by analysis for sure. It is funny how I'll get a project and you know, if it's like create a logo for a brand, I might be able to do it honestly in 20 minutes, like boom, done. Awesome. Either that or chances are, if I don't do it in 20 minutes, it's going to take me like perhaps a week. And yeah. <laughs> it's just like going out for a run. I'll be on the treadmill. I'll be walking my dogs and I'm thinking of example, how can I make this work? It's just all planned out in my head yeah. before I get it on paper. Do you ever run into paralysis by analysis? I'm guessing you do because your dad is an architect <laughs> and you have such clean, beautiful lines. You don't just let it rip on the paper. So I'm curious about that. Yeah, I definitely do. And that's definitely something that I'm trying to kind of create systems to help myself, maybe not overcome, but okay, what can I do when that happens? Um, Because yeah, the other kind of um, caveat of that is even when I sketch, I only sketch in Sharpie, which is a bit aggressive, but I kind of like the bold lines and the assertiveness. Um, And so there are definitely times where I think a sketch is going very well and I make the wrong line and I'm like, well, I guess I'm starting over and it just doesn't have that same magic. So 
um, I definitely get in ruts of over analysis paralysis for sure. But I yeah. found that if I really just, especially when it comes to like larger business systems or like larger ideas, maybe a series that I have to do, um, maybe not a specific painting that has a deadline, that's kind of a different situation. But if I'm thinking of a group of paintings that I just want to make, um, I find that just by starting it helps kind of get all of the bad ideas out of my brain, out of my hand first. And then inevitably that kind of warms you up in the process. Cause I kind of, I like to think that I can overthink a bad painting, but you almost have to just make that bad painting to get to the good one. <laughs> yeah. And a lot of really cool ideas I've had experience with are just by accident, clicking the wrong button or yeah. cop copying and pasting something. I was like, whoop, I mean, oh, that looks cool. All right, let's roll with this. A lot of things right. And that's accident. part of the process. Yeah. And uh, see, like with me, it's always like, just getting that first domino to fall. Once I get that yeah. domino to fall, I'm off and running. I have yeah. everything in my mind. It's just, sometimes it's just tipping that first domino <laughs> to get something that you like that gives you the inspiration to keep going. Um, how, long, how long would you say you spend per painting, if you will? And like, how many do you put out about a month, would you say? Yeah, I, I think it's kind of similar to you in terms of Maybe not 20 minutes because I do have to literally wait for paint to dry. One of my favorite activities, as I tell people, is just staring at a wall waiting for paint to dry. Um, but anywhere from one painting session to 10. So that might be two hours. It might be literally 30 to 50 hours, depending on the complexity of the piece or how many times I muddy it up before I have to take it back into control. Um, sometimes it happens in the first session. I'm like, don't touch it, put it to the side, like put wiring on it. It's done. Um, so it really does depend, which kind of going back to your pricing question, that's what I think as creatives can make pricing your work so difficult because it is not necessarily a rinse repeat process all the time. Um, where, okay, well, this one took me 20 minutes, so I'm going to price it as if it took 20 minutes. This piece took me six hours. So I'm going to price it as if it took six hours. Cause the audience, they don't really know what took 20 minutes and what took six hours. And frankly, it's, I always say when people ask, well, how long did this one painting take me? And I'm like, well, it's taken me 28 years to make because so, my yep, skills yep. have developed and it took 10 bad paintings that will never see the light of day to make this one painting. Um, and so accounting for all of those things in your process. <laughs> very, very true. Cause like I said, I've designed logos that have taken 20 minutes. I've designed logos that have taken like 10 hours and I get paid the same for both. And you know what? It's as valuable for that company, no matter how long it took, it doesn't matter. So right, because your skill set too, like previous projects that you've worked on, maybe it's in a similar industry where you did three hours of research on a specific topic and symbolism and graphics that then it's obviously not the same logo for another company, but if it's in a similar field or they have a similar aesthetic or similar mission, then you can use that source of knowledge to then make it quicker for client number two. So you just become then more efficient and timely in your process. Exactly. And if you design a logo, that's just like, Oh, this is sick. People love it. It's great. It's getting business. Who, at the end of the day, who cares if it took five minutes, 10 minutes, 20 minutes or 20 hours? Right. It doesn't matter. 
Yeah. And I think that's so interesting too, with graphic design, because, um, and I think maybe that's why my over analysis paralysis, I need to have meaning and symbolism with everything is Mm -hmm. why I didn't do that well early on in graphic design. Um, because the most powerful logos are, can be the simplest ones Mm -hmm. to where you're like, Oh, well, obviously this is what the logo would be where you're like, you didn't see the 1200 pages of iterations that I went through to make this obviously simple quote unquote logo for you. Like, Oh, well, it's just a leaf that's in this direction and this color. And you're like, do you how many know how many leaves I designed to get this one leaf? Exactly. <laughs> if they don't see that part of the process. <laughs> I love being a little creative, having a little concept and uh, a little, um, I don't know, slightness, if you will, on some of my logos. Yeah. But, uh, you know, sometimes I work with clients that are always like, well, make sure it looks like this and, and that to represent that and then that to represent that. And then you have like five different, you know, representations within one though, it just becomes overload. So a lot of right. times it is the simplest solutions that actually is just the best. Yeah. And then you, there comes a point where you're like, oh, do you want to design this logo? I thought that's what you were paying me to do. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Right. So now I want to dive a little more into pricing. So if there's somebody that is an artist that is out there looking to start pricing, I yeah. get it. I get it that <laughs> so pricing yourself, especially when you first start is very difficult finding yourself in the market because you're like, I spent all this time doing this. I know it looks, looks good, but I don't have a portfolio and I really want money. And I really want to show people that I can sell stuff and I can move to the next painting and stuff. And yeah, it's, it's very, very difficult to price yourself. Um, especially, like I said, especially when you first start and uh, yeah, I would love, love, love to get your feedback <laughs> as far as, how you started pricing yourself and how you've evolved any advice you would give to somebody who is starting out. Yeah. I think a great way to enter it is kind of from that business perspective, which can feel kind of cold as creatives. Some can be very emotional and tied to their work, but thinking, okay, what was the cost of materials? Maybe if you have an average time that it took to create a piece, that would be a good place to start. Um, And using those as the very, very minimal foundation as to like, you need those to at least break even. And that's not not even accounting for paying yourself for the time. Um, But then also thinking about, um, I actually just got done a business course and not projecting your own financial mindset onto other people, just because maybe you wouldn't pay X price doesn't mean someone else wouldn't. Um, And it really is an ever evolving process as an artist. I am a firm believer that especially early on, you can be super drawn towards doing some things for quote unquote exposure especially when it comes to companies like, oh, well, your artwork will be in front of X number of people for this event. And you're like, okay, well, that doesn't pay my bills. So being very cautious of doing things for exposure as well. Um, I don't necessarily have a set formula that is set in stone. It is ever evolving. Um, and everyone's style is different when it comes to pricing artwork, but that is one thing that is a very active conversation with creatives. And most creatives are willing to share with other artists of this is how I price things. This is how I structure it. 
and you can kind of like take and give what you want with it. So would you suggest somebody listening to this that is really trying to get an understanding that they can message you directly? Yeah, (laughs) honestly, yes. And that's one thing that, um, going into being a resource for other artists was something that I really wanted to be a priority as I was growing my collector base in Raleigh and seizing opportunities saying, okay, well, I got a solo exhibition at this corporate space. Who can I then connect this? I have this contact. Who can I share and lift up with me to get them their first solo exhibition? Who can I, Hey, I'm taking artwork down out of lucky tree. Who can I get to replace my spot and really becoming a facilitator and connecting local artists? Because that was really what I was searching for and what so many other artists were for me when I was first getting started. Um, So one of my best friends and now business partners, Adriana and I actually started a podcast for um, career-minded artists. And one thing that we do tackle is pricing. Um, So it's a podcast called the Art Studio Insights Podcast. And it was really created for that reason to really demystify the creative process and see what are those conversations between career-minded artists. Yes, talking about the creative process and painting styles and what happens when you get in a creative rut or roadblock, but then also how do you, what is your pricing structure like? How do you reverse engineer goals? How do you set annual goals? Like, I don't even know where to start. Um, and really laying that out for people to kind of eavesdrop into some of the conversations that we were having with each other and other artists and be a voice to, if you are painting alone in your home studio, still having that wealth of knowledge that people have shared with us that then we want to share with other people. That's a really great, honestly, idea for a podcast, because I imagine there's a little bit of artists in all of us. And there's probably yeah. most people just have no clue where to start. If, if they're going to start, they're probably <laughs> letting the years pass by. And like, I always wanted to be a painter and I never tried it. And I don't know where to, where to go to get any of the stuff. I don't know how to start. And then, you know, another year goes by and then another year goes right. by. Listen to your podcast. You're going to get some inspiration. <laughs> And start it, you know, like, like yeah. Brian, like, like Brian says, a buddy, a buddy, both for just get started, you know, just like, get started, just get started. And I have, I have a feeling listen to your episodes will give people the inspiration to actually put that brush to a canvas and just get rolling with it and see where it goes. That's such great inspiration. Yeah. Thank you. And that was the biggest thing where it's like, you don't have to, yes. If you're comparing yourself to someone who's been a full-time artist for 30 years, oh, who am I to post my pictures on Instagram? Who am I to ask someone to spend $200 on this piece? But like really gaining that mindset and confidence and showing people that it is possible to turn your art passion into a sustainable business. Mm -hmm. It's completely possible. You just have to take those baby steps and it all starts with your mindset and confidence that you have something to give. Absolutely. And uh, yeah, it's, it's you just got to have confidence. And like you just said, <laughs> have the mindset, have the confidence, get started and you'll learn every piece you do. You'll learn something. Even if you think it sucks, one, someone else might not, but two, right. you've learned something from it, you, whether good or bad, you definitely learn something. Um, it's something that I don't have. And I, here I am saying like all this positive stuff <laughs> and I can't paint a lick. 
So, you know, perhaps I need to listen to your podcast a little more. And actually, because I would like to do the coolest painting I have at my house is, I don't know if you've seen it, is of my dog's paw prints all over it. Yes. It's, uh, yeah, it's, it's, I love it. Love it. I can't paint anything better. It's very meaningful to me. But uh, that's a great idea for anybody who's looking to get started with painting too, is let the dog see. Uh, something I'm really curious about too, is being a fellow creative, is there are constantly times that, I feel my mind is burned out. I'm just like, I've tapped out. Yeah. I, I don't have the juice anymore. I need to recharge. I need to re-energize. Um, <laughs> it happens a lot because I am literally designing from when I wake up to when I shut down mm-hmm. my computer. And then sometimes I do freelance on the side for other businesses or people. And then I put a lot of passion and energy and time and research into that podcast as well, which is also yeah. a creative outlet for me. 100%. And then, yeah, then I'm just maxed out sometimes. And <laughs> once so I just really wanted to see if that actually happened to you, how often and how you deal with it. I would say all the time. I don't think I really hit burnout stage Adriana and I alluded to this thing that we've started saying over the past few months where we get to that crispy stage. (laughs) So if you think of like putting cookies in the oven, like there's a very fine line between like the perfect gooey temperature and completely burned. (laughs) We're like right before it happens, the edges start to get a little bit crispy and you have about like 10 seconds to pull them out before they're done and burned. So we've had this saying that we're like, all right, I'm feeling the crispiness. So if I just need to take the night off, maybe half a day, maybe one full day, but you being aware of that, I think is part of the creative process. And as a career minded creative, someone who does it for a living, um, needing that as a skill to recognize when that's happening or see the warning signs so that you can avoid a four day burnout phase, because I have definitely been there. I mean, I just told you about, I literally had a two year burnout phase where I was like, the last thing I want to do is paint. I went like super, super hard creatively my senior year of college and then didn't paint again for another two years. And I was just like, I have no, no desire to do this. Granted, it was a changing seasons of life as well, but really recognizing the difference between a project that's a sprint and it is needed sometimes others are marathons. And what are those things that are non-negotiables for you to keep it from avoiding that burnout stage. Um, so from listening to some of your podcasts, I know doing, getting outside in nature, going on hikes with your dogs, like working out where like, that's a huge symbol for me. Like the second I stop meal prepping and I start eating out a little bit more and a little bit more, I stop working out where I'm like, if I can't justify going to the grocery store and cooking dinner for 30 minutes. Cause I feel that burned out. That's not a good sign. And that's not very sustainable. So recognizing what those warning signs are, because it is part of that process for sure. Yeah. There's definitely times where it's just like, it's early. It's like eight, nine o'clock. I'm like, <laughs> I, 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 I got nothing left. I'm going to call yeah. it a night. And uh, honestly, one of the things I love to do, you can probably tell is uh, I love to travel. I love to experience yeah. things. I one, do you like to travel? And two, I can see that being a huge influence in artists (laughs) is going out, experiencing different places, different cultures. Yeah. I, I don't think I've met anyone that says they don't like to travel. I personally have not prioritized it as much as I wish I should have in the past. Um, I was planning a trip to Europe 
very loosely when COVID was first starting. Um, but that is definitely something that as I'm growing my business is a huge motivation for me of having that flexibility to not have to request all my PTO time to go take a trip or finding those, have an artist retreat in Colorado for two weeks. I just went there last month um, to see some good girlfriends from elementary school. And it was the most rewarding, inspirational, uplifting thing of just being off the grid, turn my phone on airplane mode for like four days and just being out in nature. It's, there's nothing like it. It's awesome. Yeah. I'd love to hear a little more about this retreat. <laughs> I, I get a lot of ideas in my mind. I'm thinking of an idea. How cool would it be to travel? Let's just say Italy. Italy is one, one of my top bucket list places, right? Yes. Let's just say how awesome would it be to travel like an Airbnb at a place that had a studio waiting for an artist and you would swap places or something like that. Like, yeah. And they, cool have, and they have programs like that, that I'm like really interested in applying for where it's like, okay, like a six months residency in Switzerland. And literally like you go, you get a stipend for being there. You make work, you have an exhibition at the end of it. And there's like all these different, some smaller retreats of just making work, some larger term residencies where they give you housing, they give you everything. And it, I think that would be such a cool phase of life to be in. Um, but working towards steps to get there. That's that awesome. So cool. I didn't know that existed. Cause I was just thinking yeah. just literally physically putting yourself in a completely different place with different culture. I'm curious right. to see how your artwork would change along with that <laughs> to compare and contrast, like you painting and designing in Raleigh compared to you painting and designing in a place like Italy or somewhere in Europe or something. Yeah, like definitely. And I think even it probably would change a lot because even just there are times where I, I live really close to the North Carolina Museum of Art and they have amazing greenway trails that go through there. So I love hiking over there, just taking two, three hours, the end of an evening to like turn my brain off, listen to a podcast and walk around. Um, so even times I've gone up there either at sunrise or in the evening and just sketched the idea of sketching out in nature, disconnected from the screen, no technology, even just that process is so different than whether I'm designing something on the computer or in my studio. I'm just very influenced by the medium that I'm working with, but also the space that I'm creating in because it changes your mindset completely. Absolutely. It's just the whole energy and the vibe changes. Yeah. And uh, you, you mentioned you listen to podcasts. Are you going to listen to this one? Are you going to listen to your own voice? Of course. Of course. <laughs> I take being a podcast host, as you know, it takes a yes. little bit to be like, I got to listen to my old, my old voice. It sounds terrible. But, yeah. Uh, you kind of get used to it between like editing video and then like I also doing YouTube as well. Hmm. It's, you just get used to it. I actually have an artist talk that I gave to Campbell University that I have to edit after this podcast. Fantastic. So. <laughs> fantastic. No, yeah. so everything you're mentioning, I'm going to find a way to link in your show notes and obviously your website, hopefully it has all of this. Awesome. And, yeah. Uh, I, I do know that you're doing stuff uh, with mentorship. I'd love for you to talk about that. Yeah. So in addition to the Art Studio Insights podcast, where we really talk about the creative process and those ideas that um, business-minded creatives should be thinking about, Adriana and I also launched the Level Up Artist community. So in addition to sharing what we're talking about, actually showing the steps that it takes to hit X goals. So sharing resources, having um, exclusive artist talks with 
local and regional artists, as well as a community of fellow artists that are working towards goals right along with you. So being that hub of information and resources and weekly module training on topics like artist documents, how to write an artist statement, how to apply for exhibitions, how to market yourself on social media in a way that doesn't make you feel completely gross. <laughs> there are a lot of opinions on how to do it. And so we really emphasize the idea of you are making a business because you want to be a solo entrepreneur artist. So you don't have to build a business that doesn't feel right to you, sharing all of these resources that gotten us to where we are today, but then also emphasizing that this is your business and your creative journey to build of it what you want. So the Level of Artist community, we started back in July. Um, we, we enroll people in cohorts to really keep that small group feel within the larger community. Um, and so we're actually opening re-enrollment at the end of this month in November. So from November 30th to December 14th, we're opening up for our next cohort of artists. We're very excited. That's wonderful. You know, if people are going to make mistakes and learn from them, that's awesome. But if people can learn from other people's mistakes and other people's journeys, that's exactly. even better. Exactly. So why would somebody not want to listen to that and be involved <laughs> in that and read that? That's just... That's great, great information. And, you know, as, as I like to do, as you can tell, you like to do, we just like to be helpful to people. And right. Exactly. And that's the thing where like Adriana and I, and other artists in the community where it's like, I did the deep dive researching all the email marketing platforms that I use, the pros, the cons, the pricing spreadsheets here. I've already done the work. You don't have to spend 36 hours deep diving on the internet for it. I've done this. Adriana's done this and really collecting all of these resources to save each other time, because that's the one thing as a business owner, you can't get back time. I mean, no one in life can get back time. So if we can even share, like save one other creative a day, a month, six months on their creative journey, then I call that a win. Exactly. Yeah. Just a few episodes ago, I had a podcast with the guys from health hack. I don't know if you listen to it is the journey of like creating a podcast and all the ridiculous mistakes that we made. Oh man. And, uh, yeah. You have to check that out. You think a podcast that one. Check yeah. it out. You'll laugh. I've jacked up enough podcasts where you don't have to anymore. You can just listen to that, find right. my mistakes. You won't make the same mistakes. Maybe you know? I'm doing something that is one of your mistakes. I'm like, oh, I should be doing that. <laughs> I doubt it. Unless it sounds terrible. I highly <laughs> doubt it. But um, no. So as we begin to wrap up here, you have a quote in your bio that I'm going to ask you about. And I have it written down here. It says, okay. you transform life's mundane moments into memorable experiences. Tell me more about that. Yeah. So that has really been kind of a mission for a lot of the artwork that I make and really wanting to slow us down, which ironically was my mission before COVID started, before the pandemic, and really thinking about we're in this busy world, especially now as even things are ramping back up of being aware of where you are in your current moment in life, in the current space that you're in. And so a lot of the artwork that I make, that's my mission is to really transform the mundane moments into memorable experiences rather than just going through the repetition of the day, 
wake up, go to work, come home, binge Netflix, sleep, repeat. Mm -hmm. What is, what are those things in your life that you can really dive into, lose track of time and create those memorable experiences with your family, your friends, or even if it's alone in your house by yourself, maybe how a piece of artwork hangs in the window and the light catches it just right. So the shadows cast across the wall in a really cool way. Those types of experiences that really just slow you down that can transform the mundane moments into memorable experiences. Yeah. And I'm thinking like, it makes you present in the moment as well. Like I'm thinking how some mornings I just love like waking up and the sun is just perfect coming through my kitchen, right to my coffee maker. And I'm like, this is, Ah. this is a good morning. (laughs) This is a good morning. It's, what, what sucks is like the sun's constantly changing angles because the, the time, daily savings jacked up. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, yeah, no, I mean, that's really cool. I, I appreciate you um, explaining that. And uh, thank you. I, yeah. I, I and that's why, and that's why a lot of my pieces, I include light and shadow as well, because they are constantly changing. So like, you're not ever going to experience those pieces the same way twice. Like, especially if they're lit by natural light, Some mornings it's a very diffuse, cloudy day and you can barely see the shadows. Some it's super dramatic and you have harsh edges. Even my acrylic paintings that don't necessarily have sculptural elements off of them. I have all of them. The titles are questions. Mm. So these are questions that are pulled from various journal entries over the past two years of where I, of course, for some of them, remember the exact moment that I was feeling when I wrote this question in my journal and the context around it. But then the viewer doesn't have that. They have their own experiences. So like, why does this matter? Why not? Where will this go? What's next? Hmm. Things like that of every time you look at the piece and think of the title, you're going to have a different question that you're actually answering today versus six months from now versus think 10 years from now your question of what's next is going to be totally different and really making those introspective conversations um, at the forefront of all these pieces. Love it. So basically you're conceptual, you're creative and you're a businesswoman. <laughs> what are we missing here? I don't know if we're missing anything. Oh, <laughs> That's pretty awesome. You don't find that very Thank often. You. So, so as we wrap up, I would love to give people the opportunity to find you once again online. And actually for anybody who's in the Raleigh area, where they can actually find your artwork in person. Yeah. So online, as I said earlier, my website is JacquelineSanders.com. Um, I'm on all social media platforms at J Sanders Studio. And then, yeah, if you are in the Raleigh-Durham area, I have a studio in downtown Raleigh off Davy Street in a building called Art Space. So I am in Studio 220 right up the stairs. So if you're ever down there and want to come by and say hi, or if you want to come by for our first Friday events, the first Friday of every month, almost all the artists are there. So you can go down the long hallway and see an abstract painter, a sculptor, a leather worker, a jewelry maker. It's a really cool celebration of the local art scene. The first Friday of every month from 6 p.m. to 10 p.m. That's awesome. And like I said, I am genuinely attracted to your artwork. A lot of art stuff people will see and it's just like, I can do that. When I look at your artwork, I do not say I can do that (laughs) because I cannot do that. And that's why you do what you do. And that's why I do what I do. Exactly. uh, I say the same thing about you. I'm like, I don't know how you make these logos, but. Yeah, I don't either sometimes. (laughs) 
But uh, all right. So any final words of advice to any aspiring artists out there? Aspiring artists, I would say the biggest thing is definitely just keep going with making your work. The skill will get better with time. Your technique will get better with time, but make sure you're creating work that you love and enjoy and that you're surrounding yourself with people and a community that supports you and supports your vision. A lot of the time, loved ones and families, even if they're supportive, they might not necessarily know what those next steps you need to take are, or maybe they give you advice that they think is correct, but they don't have experience in the modern art world. Um, So really finding a community of artists that have similar goals to you, whether keeping it as a hobby that you simply love, or if you want to turn it into a career, finding other artists that are very giving and sharing of information that can help save you time on your journey. That's awesome. Such (laughs) great advice. I couldn't have said any better and I'm sitting here thinking also like the holidays are coming up. This is a great holiday gift too. It's yes. one of a kind. So definitely check it out. Go buy something from Jackie. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Especially if you're local in Raleigh, you can avoid shipping costs and just pick up in studio as an option on my website. So you can purchase a piece, reserve it, and then pick it up from the studio that it was created in. And we can have a good chat about it. That's really cool. That's really cool. Well, Jackie, it's been a pleasure. I would love to have you back on sometime in the future. We can keep going and see how things are going for you. And I'll ask you what airport you're in because uh, you (laughs) definitely, definitely should be in an airport somewhere. I think. Yeah, you'll be the first one I call. (laughs) Awesome. It's super cool. And I'll I'll fly there. I'll definitely fly there. So once again, like I said, it's been a pleasure. Thank you much for joining Deep Pursuit of Happiness. You're clearly on your own and I love it. I encourage it. So great job and great job being an inspiration to so many people. Awesome. Thank you, Ryan. Thanks, Jackie. Thank you so much, Jackie Sanders, for joining my episode. Keep up the good work. You're killing it, and your stuff looks awesome. I'm not just saying that. I know we all view artwork sometimes. We're like, how much does that cost? I can make that myself. But when I look at her artwork, it's like, wow, that is super cool. I definitely cannot do that myself. And how much is it? Because I want that. (laughs) So Jackie, keep up the good work. And thank you all for listening to this episode of the Pursuit of Happiness podcast. Once again, I just ask that you leave me a rating, give me a review, and subscribe because there are so many more good episodes coming your way. You never know what you're going to get. So stay tuned, and I'll catch you next time on the Pursuit of Happiness podcast.